0: Here at the Practice Squad, we obviously love sports. And when it's time for us to work out, we want to emulate the athletes we talk about each week. And in Utah, there's only one place we can train like an athlete. At the Training Room, located at 710 South, Utah Valley Drive, American Fork, Utah, 84003. Here they offer on-site sports medicines for all members, which includes deep tissue massage, physical therapy, chiropractic adjustments, and injury prevention training. Lord knows we need that. Beyond the standard memberships, they offer personal and group training classes, like their own unique hype training, other classes include Muay Thai boxing, pre- and postnatal yoga, and for younger athletes, they offer sports-specific strength and conditioning training for individuals and teams. Head over, tell them the Practice Squad sent you. Peace. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Practice Squad. This week was the NBA All-Star Game, and we learned a few things. We learned how long the national anthem can be. We learned that Bam Adebayo is the best ball handler in the NBA. We learned that Anthony Davis is bad at cornhole, and we learned that Creamy Biggums is my new favorite NBA player, who doesn't actually play in the NBA. Jeff, what'd you think? Uh, I also have to agree
1: with uh, Creamy Biggums. What a name. The man, the myth, the legend of Creamy Biggums. (laughs) Um, Starting off with that celebrity game, obviously Creamy was playing in that, and uh, that's where we found uh, Anthony Davis' Ruffles Cornhole, uh, which was a timeout competition during the celebrity all-star game yes yeah, so
0: for whatever reason their decision of how they should handle timeouts was like with minute to win it games like pulling tissue like they determined opening possession not with a tip but with having a representative from each team pull all the tissues out of a box with one
1: hand i just want to think of that you know nba all-star team meeting like guys we got to change up the way we do our breaks it's boring how can we do it and some guys just like we can just have Anthony Davis play cornhole. Anthony Davis was
0: so uninterested in playing cornhole too. Because <laughs> Common and Chance, the rapper, they decide to do rock paper scissors. Winner gets Common to or winner gets Anthony Davis to throw some cornhole bags into a cornhole for him. All of this, of course, is sponsored by Ruffles, which Ruffles cornhole. Not I've heard of worse names, but ugh.
1: what does Ruffles even have to do with corn? Corn at all. <laughs>
0: Like, Tell them about brand awareness. We also had... Uh, oh, Anthony Davis then proceeded to miss all three Cornhole attempts, which he was supposed to get points for Chance the Rappers team, ended up giving points to Common's team because he was so bad at Cornhole.
1: Can I, can I share with you my... After Cornhole, my favorite part of the NBA All-Star celebrity game was Stephen A. Smith getting a technical foul. Well, what was better about that was Stephen A. Smith gets the technical...
0: And then Guy Fieri gets up off the bench <laughs> because Guy Fieri was on the bench for some reason. He wasn't playing, but he was just there. And he gets up off the bench to go over and try and calm down Stephen A. Smith.
2: He came all the way from
0: Flavortown to, to show this support. Is, this, is, This was like the most dystopian level basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. This is like if basketball was run by Instagram, <laughs> it's what the celebrity game was.
1: Yeah, if I remember correctly, Common was the one that took MVP out of everybody. Who or... cares? You're right. <laughs> the real MVP
0: was Creamy Biggums, And The real, real MVP was us for getting to watch it.
1: I really appreciated
2: Lil Rel's basketball skills, too, and his dough rag That was pretty nice. I love that.
0: Lil Rel's basketball skills? Yeah. You mean tripping while lo- running for a loose ball and then whiffing on a three-pointer? It takes skill to do that. It doesn't. It really does, though. Here's the thing. I've seen you do that, and I know your skill level.
2: I just want to say that I see myself in Lil row
0: Okay. Uh, um...
1: <laughs> Let's move on to the skills challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, skills challenge. Bam at a bio. He did it. Who would have thunk? <laughs> <laughs> the skills challenge. Like, it's they need to find us something to replace the skills challenge because like ninety percent of the participants don't actually care about it.
1: <laughs> we could uh, put the cornhole in the skills challenge. Ooh! Instead of having to throw the ball through the little ring, they have to throw. You know, do they have to play cornhole?
2: We could do that, but also if you think about it, before it used to be timed. You know, whoever had the best times would move on, and it was more challenging. Mm-hmm. But now it's like a race between two guys. So if we went back to the time challenge, that might give people more of an incentive to go quicker instead of just beating the other guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, naturally, you got the dude with you know a nine-foot stride. He's going to probably win in a foot race against most people. Is there anything else you want to add about the skills challenge? Cause no, really cares I, I think about we can it. move
1: on to the next one. I think everything else after this to me was where it got a lot more entertaining. Three-point challenge, uh, Buddy Healed. Finally brought a trophy to Sacramento, their first in ever. Well, I'm
0: sure they've won things like ugliest uniforms, worst city, other sad things.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, Buddy put on a good performance. He won on the last shot.
0: Technically, everybody who's ever won the three-point contest has won on the last shot.
1: You know, you're right. But he put
2: himself over the top on the last shot. That's what Jeff's saying. Jeff is right here.
0: No, I understand that, but also every other time somebody else has won that competition, they've won it on their last shot.
2: Well, yeah, you win it on your last shot because you're done with the competition, right? But yeah, that's how But he put works. himself
0: over the top. Well, not, okay, sure thing.
2: Yes, I win.
0: No, you don't. I win. No. I think I win. High five.
1: Should we move on to the next challenge?
0: Oh, yeah, sure thing. The dunk contest was a complete and total robbery. The fact that my man Pat Connaughton did not get that trophy, man. Mm. White boy was out there jumping over Giannis Antetokounmpo and didn't get nothing out of it.
1: Can you can you run by that name one more time? I don't think
0: I can actually repeat what I said. Um, <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll never be able to do it. I know everybody else has figured it out. I haven't. I'm not going to be able to do it. Giannis.
1: <laughs> no, uh... Pat definitely put on a performance that I wasn't expecting, but he wasn't one of the finalists. We could talk about how Aaron Gordon got robbed. Aaron Gordon did get robbed again. Like
0: it's sad that we're like we were like getting up in arms about the dunk contest, but honestly, he got he got shafted. dude. that sucked.
1: And watching his dunks. No, we were talking about this earlier today. The dunk over Taco Fall that should have won him. That should have won. That that should have won. Because he
0: didn't use his hands to like springboard over him. Like when Pat Connaughton went over Giannis, he had to use one hand to like kind of help push him over. Uh, Aaron Gordon, that was just leg strength to get up. And like, yeah, his like leg kind of caught Taco on the head at the end, but still, like he got over a seven foot six dude on like just leg strength.
1: And to talk about Taco for a second. When Aaron Gordon brought up that idea with Taco Fall, do you think Taco Fall was like at all nervous about that? Because the dude's seven foot six.
0: He was probably just like, I'm just going to make sure that I have my feet set so this dude slams into my back. I don't get knocked forward.
1: Dude, I don't know. It's just he jumped over him. And even if the leg did help him get over, Taco Fall is still enormous. So he practically jumped over a seven foot six guy. He did jump over a seven foot and, six. Guys. no practically about it. And I don't know, man. Do you think that this has been a lot of the rumors going around that Dwayne Wade purposely gave him a nine? Yes, I do think that to give his uh, his good teammate Derek Jones Jr. the trophy. And... Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's the dunk on. Doesn't like it. Not like it really matters all that much. But yeah, I mean, he did. He's probably trying to help him out because I think winning the dunk contest does come with like a small by NBA terms but I think it's I think it's $50,000 along with the trophy isn't it but I I just feel like Dwayne Wade was trying to help out his former teammate and giving lower scores to Eric Gordon when he could Yeah <laughs> there were some of those dunks where it was like there was no way he could give him lower than a 10 and so like the first time he had a chance to give him lower than a 10 he was like oh he didn't clear him 100% nine like
2: I I agree with you. I think Dwayne Wade totally did this. But think about this, though. He jumped over a seven foot six man. Like, there's no no one can jump over anything taller than that, right? In a dunk contest. Like, that's probably the limits of what humans can do before we figure out the whole genetics thing and start gen-
0: genetically engineering people to jump higher. The GMAs, or the GMDs, the genetically modified dunkers. Yeah.
1: You could use artificial intelligence to do that. We could just talk to Common and see what if there's any possibility in working on this formula for highly genetic human beings that could jump over taco fall
2: yeah we get some gmds and then we slap some cyborg stuff on their legs and then they're jumping over two taco falls
1: on top of each other just like in a row yeah
2: so we clone taco fall and then one taco fall gets on the other taco fall's shoulders
1: tacos fall
2: tacos squared and no tacos fall tacos get jumped over
1: well, then, I think with that, we can move on to the main event. Oh, I think we definitely should d the all star game uh should we start with a national anthem?
0: I don't want to go into too much detail about it because you know like I feel like I feel like you're allowed to put you know your own you're allowed to put your own artistic spin on it to a degree, not to that degree.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think artistic spin is great. Uh, just sometimes, artistic spin can backfire and hurt you majorly, like it did to Fergie. And I didn't think it could get much worse. So, the
0: actual timeline on the national anthem, I believe, was three minutes and ten seconds. It took three minutes and ten seconds for Shaka Khan to sing that song, and it felt like seven and a half minutes.
1: Unlike Fergie's, it was definitely not entertaining. It. We listened to this before we started recording this episode, and it was. It's painful. It 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 hurts.
0: <laughs> it yeah. Well, we're just gonna go ahead and move on. The game itself, the new format worked. I was a huge fan of the new format. I love the scores resetting at the end of quarters one through three. Then playing to the final number, which last night ended up being one fifty-seven. Playing to the score of one fifty seven, I thought was awesome. Resulted in a really fun game. And it was also something I've never seen before. From NBA caliber talent, which is the concept of like a pickup game, because you're when you're playing to a score, once you get close to that, there's pressure, there's defensive lockdown. It was really interesting because the last, I think the last like six minutes of game time, there was only six points scored. it was, no. it was insane. I've never seen anything quite like that. It was awesome. And
1: it was super fun to watch. These guys really try to beat each other on the court. It, rarely in an All Star game do you see the best athletes attempt to play it to their highest level. But I felt like last night, dudes were getting pushed down. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the end of the game is when James Harden is guarding Joel Embiid. And then Joel Embiid kind of pushes him in the back. And James Harden just like turns around and stares at him. Just like all pissed off. And then right after that, Kemba Walker is water, running around the, the left uh, sideline and gets, I don't know if he got elbowed or if he like, he lost the ball as a turnover where then LeBron tossed to Anthony Davis for an alley-oop. And then later on in the game, you had dudes like Kyle Lowry taking charges. It was just kind of interesting to see guys actually, I don't know how else to put it, but just trying. Well, they
0: were, they were playing. It wasn't in years past. We've seen the Gelser game has been fun in years past because we've seen guys just screwing around. I mean, you know, pulling up from half court for no reason, I've seen guys block their teammates shots before like things like that, where it's just kind of out there having fun last night they were playing for a game. And I think the fact that they were playing for charities and they had so many kids from the charities in the stands cheering for them. I think that definitely helped motivate them. And I think it was awesome.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite parts too, is at the end of the game when team LeBron one day, let the kids from that program run onto the court. Mm-hmm. They kind of stormed the court and was able to like celebrate with, Those guys, and just a really neat experience. Um,
0: Either way, it was still cool. Still a lot of charity. There's still a lot of money earned for both the charities involved. It was fantastic. And Kawhi Leonard won the first Kobe Bryant-named MVP trophy.
1: Yeah, he deserved it, 30 points. Was on
0: pace to break the three-point record if he kept shooting.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: It was so weird, because if you watch the end of the game, Team LeBron stopped passing the ball to Kawhi Leonard for some reason, and they just started running things through James Harden from, like, 35 feet out. It's like, why are you guys going to play like the Houston Rockets? This is the all-star game. You have the best player on the planet, Kawhi Leonard, right there.
0: Yeah, I and, mean, I, I would have let Kawhi take the last shot a few times because there's a few – they had multiple possessions where they're at 154, again, needing to score 157 to win, and Kawhi didn't touch the ball.
2: I, I think Kawhi Leonard's the best half-court scorer in the game right now because James Harden, he, he plays up close to the basket or – at the three-point line. But Kawhi Leonard, he'll get into the mid-range, and he can create his shot so well with his big shoulders and his long arms. Like, he can get up and elevate over people and sink a bucket. He saw it run one time, he got a bucket, never went back to it. And also, did you guys notice the lebron Giannis stuff that was going on?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. When Giannis first uh, kind of start the whole tussle, Giannis had blocked LeBron as LeBron was trying to pull up for a mid-range jumper. And then... On the other side, LeBron kind of put the clamps down on Giannis, was able to, you know, steal the ball from him or went off Giannis's leg out of bounds. It was just really fun to see. First off, Giannis looked incredible. And LeBron looked just as good. LeBron had this behind the back dribble move where he faked out Chris Middleton and then went for the layup. But, dude, Giannis, on that block on LeBron, because LeBron's obviously a really, really strong guy, LeBron tried to shoulder him a little bit to get some distance. And then Giannis just did not have any of it. I loved it.
0: I, I was very entertained. It was a really fun all-star game. The best one yet, in my opinion. Um, I hope they keep elaborating on the same formula in the next year. But with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back with some more NBA. I know exactly what you need in your life.
2: More practice squad. So give us a follow on Instagram, at practice underscore squad underscore podcasts. Our posts are phenomenal, our stories probably even better, and our hairlines undefeated. Again, that's practice underscore squad underscore podcast. Check it out and
0: give us a follow. Squad out. Welcome back, everybody. And as promised, we have some more NBA for you. Uh, We're going to talk about. Uh, expectations for some teams uh, going forward and going to the playoffs. Uh, the first team we'll talk about is the number one seed in the East, which is Milwaukee, currently at forty-six and eight. And the debate here is: Will they get to seventy wins? Will they be team number three to hit the seventy-win mark?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation right now. The Bucks are currently sitting at forty-six and eight, looking to hit that seventy-game mark this year. Joe, what do you think? Do you think they have enough to do it?
0: Well, the thing is, I definitely think they have the talent to do it. The question becomes, do they want to put the effort in to do it? Do they want to put the players in position where it's honestly a little bit of a risk to go for it?
1: I can agree on that comment. Right now, the Bucks are currently sitting six and a half games ahead of the next team, which is Toronto. So the Bucs could still have a phenomenal end to the season and end as the number one seed, even if that means they rest for example, the last week or two of the season.
0: Right. They have a really solid shot at being the overall one seed. Um, it just becomes whether or not they want to have the risk of potentially losing a starter or a key bench player or just a key player um, going into the playoffs.
2: Something that's really good about the Bucks is that they, their margin of victory is on average so large that they don't need to overplay their starters a whole lot, and what's been really key for them this year is that Dante Divincenzo and Wesley Matthews have been able to fill the production void that was left. But when Malcolm Brogdon exited, so what I'm looking at with the Bucks down the stretches is if uh, Giannis can stay healthy and so can Chris Middleton. Because if you look at it, Chris Middleton has really been the secret sauce to the Bucks reaching another level this year. He's become, reached. He's leveled up as a player and he's able to hit from mid-range. Last year, Budenholzer would only let him layups or threes, but he's able to iso, and he's able to take guys off the pick-and-roll and pull up from mid-range and just stroke shots. So that, along with Giannis's improvement, has really helped the Bucks reach this next level.
0: Just stroking shots over there.
2: Yeah, just stroking shots.
1: Good stroke. Yeah, I want to kind of go back on the comment, too, of the... I do believe the Bucks have the talent as well. They kind of you really hit it on the nail joe do they i hit
0: it on the nail just didn't hit didn't hit the nail on the head i hit it on the nail
1: you just took your head and hit it hit it with the nail
0: i, I took my head with the nail you know what nail head
2: that's kind of a cool name that sounds like a horror movie villain Nailhead. i think that you ever heard of
0: hellraiser hellraiser yes yeah that's kind of what he is
2: what is he? Is it needle face is
0: that what he is it's pinhead but they're nails pinhead
2: pinhead and Nailhead, they're cousins
0: okay
1: <laughs> Just to finish off my If that actually forward, makes
0: yeah. it to the final episode, I apologize. But for Needleface? <laughs> A little bit. No, that's okay. Needleface is cool with it.
1: All right. Yeah, no. I think I hope the Bucks do it. I think they have the chance of being one of the only teams to do it again. So
0: I'd like to see it. It'd be cool. Um, Like I said, I think it's only been done twice before the Bulls and the Brat, uh, War warriors. warriors. Yeah. And then Bucks would be number three. Let's see. Moving on to our next team, though, which is the current two seed in the West. That is the Toronto Raptors. To the East. Oh, that's right, East. My bad.
1: So, the Raptors, 40-15, and 15, sitting second. What do you think with them, Joe?
0: Well, what was their win streak heading into the All-Star break? It was 15, and then they lost the last game before.
1: Correct, to Brooklyn.
0: That's insane. Uh, that right there shows me that this team, they have what it takes, I think, to be the overall two-seed. I just don't know if they're going to have what it takes in the postseason to make it – I don't think they'll make it back to the NBA Finals, and it's going to be tough for them to make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: I actually have them making it to the Eastern Conference Finals just because of their experience in the playoffs. Obviously, they missed their main player last year, which was Kawhi, but this team has proven to me that one. I under I made the totally wrong prediction with them. I didn't even have them making the playoffs because of how big Kawhi was for them, and now to see this team sitting in the second seat in the East, uh, Kyle Lowry stepped up this year. Pascal Siakam. Should be the most improved player in the, um, in the NBA this season. He could be the
0: first. He would be the first person to win it back to back. And I think it would be. I think it totally makes sense if he did.
1: Yeah. Did he he's His now a,
0: increase in performance over the last two seasons has been as big as we've ever seen.
1: Absolutely.
2: Especially for someone who is a second round talent coming out of New Mexico State. He has the most improbable cool path to NBA superstardom that I've ever heard of. Like outside of Hakeem Olajuwon.
0: Pastor
1: Siakam,
2: yeah, Pastor Siakam. He almost was a priest,
0: right? That was what. It, that was where he was set up to be.
1: Yeah, that's so awesome. No, I I hope the best for Raptors, and I I think they can hold the second seed or at least a third. The question is, do the Celtics or Miami make a push to to get that spot? But I do believe the Raptors will hold on to home court advantage going into the playoffs.
2: And as for the most improved player award, I think that's going to go to Luka Doncic because he's in his second year. And he's averaging almost a thirty-point triple-double, and he's only shooting forty-two percent from three. So I think it's gonna to go to him, even though Pascal Siakam, in, in all definitions of the award, is deserving.
0: Honestly, either award I'd be fine with, but yeah. Yeah, there's I think a there's Luka a lot of guys is, that could
1: get it this year. I think
0: yeah, I think that uh, Pascal Siakam is more deserving of it, but Luca is the media darling, so I think it'll probably go to Luca.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of dudes that deserve to win that award, but. Luca is another name that is definitely up for consideration.
0: Let's see. So moving on real quick, the current bottom of the East is Brooklyn at 25 and 28 Orlando at 24 and 31. Um, do you see anybody breaking in there? Cause I, I don't, I think the East is going to be set with the current eight. Um, the seating obviously will be up to the but I don't see anybody else breaking in.
1: Yeah. I would have to agree to say that the, the team sitting in the ninth seat is the wizards and they're already three games behind Orlando. It's it's just tough, I think, at this point to to make a push, especially I just don't think the Wizards are good enough to make it. And honestly, after that, Chicago's the next best team, and they're struggling right now. They're 19-36, so I, I think the East is pretty set, in my opinion.
2: I think the Wizards are going to make a late-season push and take the Magic out of the playoffs because they're really talented offensively. Bradley Beal, Bertans, I really like their team chemistry now that John Wall kind of isn't part of the picture, and which says quite a bit about John Wall. I mean, they've consistently played better when he hasn't been there, even though they made that deep run a couple years ago. But uh, I see that going that way. I'd rather see Bradley Beal in the playoffs than the
1: Magic. And the Magic are currently on the, th- you know, in their last two games, they've won three and lost seven. So the Magic are definitely not playing up to par right now, but it'll be an interesting end of the season.
0: We'll see. They did win two in a row entering the All-Star break, though. That is true. Um, all right, let's see. Where do we want to move on to next?
1: Should we go to the West now?
0: Yes, let's go to the West. Do you think LA holds on to the number one seed? I do. I don't see that changing. Um they currently have a four game lead on Denver. I'm looking at LA. I still think that I think that LA is still very, very uh angry about what happened last season with them not making the playoffs. I think their number one goal for the entire regular season was to be the one seed. And I think they're going to keep fighting for that. And I think that they will ultimately be the one seed. I think it's a, it's a race for second at this point.
1: Yeah. I agree with you there, Joe. And I, it'll be interesting to see who the Lakers will play uh, at the eighth seed. Um, I think this gonna be one of the more interesting conversations that we have. Do you think Memphis is going to be able to hold on to that eighth spot? Well, right now Memphis is 28 and 26.
0: They have a four game lead over Portland and a five game lead over San Antonio and five and a half game lead over new Orleans. Um, I would like to see Memphis in. I really like what I see from Memphis. I don't think Portland could break in. I don't think Portland will be able to break in. I just don't see Portland getting it together in that big, in that. Uh, I don't see Portland getting it together big enough to be able to make up that ground. Um, but on the other end, the two other teams that are currently listed as the 9 and 10 seed, or the 10 and 11 seed, San Antonio and New Orleans, I could see them. Either one of them getting hot and making it, I really could.
1: Yeah, between San Antonio and New Orleans, I could. It would be really fun to see the Pelicans make a push now with just Zion returning and Brandon Ingram being an All Star. Lonzo's playing some of the best basketball in his career. I would not be surprised at all to see the Pelicans make a late push. The Spurs as well. You know, when you got Popovich as coach, oh, right? You can't you,
0: you can't write off Popovich.
1: Yeah, and the Trailblazers. To Joe's point, I just believe they're really. Really hurt right now. Damian Lillard just got injured. Um, they're just missing too many guys this year to make a push, I believe. So
2: that happens in basketball sometimes, where you take your shots in free agency, you let some guys go, you make some trades, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And when you combine that with injury luck for Portland, they're they're toast. So talking about New Orleans, I really really like them and the Grizzlies. I wish they could both make the playoffs because they're both really really fun teams. Something that people forget about New Orleans is that they were missing Derek Favors, Drew Holiday, and Zion for most of the season. Those are three of their best, what, four players mm-hmm. outside yeah. of Brandon Ingram. So now that they're back, they've started to win games more consistently, and they were already one of the better offenses in the league before they came back. So I think it's just the sky's the limit for, for this team going forward. As for the Grizzlies, that team already is a firecracker offensively. John Morant is the real deal. That dude does kamikaze drives to the rim almost every time, and I freaking love his offensive intensity. And Brandon Clark's been probably the steal of the draft from last year. He comes in, he gives them valuable minutes off the bench, and he smokes other players with his athleticism and his shooting ability.
1: Yeah, no, I think Memphis is sitting really good. Um, I love their team. I love the way – they just play with a lot of intensity, kind of to your point. Uh, Also, Jackson Jr. is – one of the most underrated players I believe in the NBA. The dude can ball. So to kind of finish up with the eighth seed, I do believe the Grizzlies will hold on to it. It'll be interesting to see, do you think the Grizzlies could even move up or do you think they're too far behind Dallas?
0: Well, they're four and a half back of both Dallas and OKC. Um, and I, I look at Dallas and OKC and I look at them and I think OKC is probably, they're probably pretty solid. Their roster just seems less tumultuous than Dallas's does. Um, I think Dallas, you know, I mean, Luka got a little bit banged up uh, late before the All Star break. Um, If that happens again, uh, you know, late in this regular season, Dallas could potentially fall out. I don't expect them to, but I could see it happening.
2: Something that was really underrated for Dallas was the Dwight Powell injury because he was one of them, he was their best pick and roll player with Luka. And you know, it allowed Chris Taps to be able to play like the shooting guard that he is.
0: Chris Tapps is big shooting guard.
2: That's right. What are long you Long shooting guard. Tan long, right? Tan long. Tan long. So
0: I have special custom built nine meter tanning bed.
2: That so Tan long. Nine meter tanning bed, does that mean that's like enough for you and like a
0: buddy? I am shooting guard. <laughs>
2: Okay, I get it. You're doing like the Russian Mafia thing where you don't answer my question. You just say something really vague.
0: I, I like to shoot threes. I like to play behind the arc. It's very fun. All
2: right. Okay. There we go. Shady Chris for everybody. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the Dwight Powell injury. Uh, Willie, Willie, I need a contract. Stein is uh, not filling that void for them. So uh, I really hope that they, they're healthy. I love watching Luka play. We'll see how it goes.
0: All right. Well, lastly, uh, you know who we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Utah Jazz. We are currently sitting at the four seed. We did close it out with what is surprisingly, in my opinion, the longest win streak in the NBA four games um, before the All-Star break. Uh, we had everything going for us, and then we kind of just fell down with a five-game losing streak that dropped us from number two down to number four. Uh, we're currently at the four seed, 36-18. and 18. We are half a game back from L.A., one and a half games back from Denver. Um I think I think we can get to 2. I'm very confident that we can get to 2. I don't think we can win the regular season. I don't think we'd we'll be the 1 seed, but I'm confident we can get to 2.
1: Yeah, I am hopeful that we can get to 2. For me, my jazz wish is that we just stay within the home court advantage area. If we could get to the second seed, that would be huge cuz that means we would have home court advantage and a low seed. Yeah. And I mean the Jazz are looking really good. They're, they they're twenty and five at home, which is just a phenomenal record when playing here in Salt Lake City. My biggest concern is if we get the four seed, do we have to play Houston right now?
0: Right now, yeah. Right now it lines up with Houston. Um, and Houston, I kind of see them finishing at about the five seed, maybe the four seed, depending on where things go. Um, Houston is a nightmare matchup for us always,
1: every single time, and. It's frustrating. Now since they're playing small ball, they might even be able to beat us by more because they just they shoot lights out against us every single time.
0: And Already one of the best shooting teams in the NBA, and as soon as they see a Jazz uniform, it's like they, you can just add another 5 to 10% to their shooting for the night.
1: Absolutely. No, I think I for me as a Jazz fan, I do not want to play the Rockets. Um, right now, I would be more willing to play OKC OKC okay, think... so
0: would be a good matchup for us at this point, I feel like. I mean, and to go back to what you said earlier, the biggest thing for us is because we're 20-5 and five at home, the biggest thing for us is that we get that home court advantage. Yeah. Home court advantage is going to be huge for us in the postseason. So we need to finish in the top four. Um, But I really think our goal should be the two. I think the one is pretty much out of reach just because I think of what I've already said about L.A. Yeah. But – our goal needs to be the two seed.
1: And I can see the Clippers playing a little bit less competitively at the end of the season to, you know, load manage for the playoffs. Easy, you know, comment?
2: No, I totally agree with you. They're probably going to load manage for the playoffs because PG's got a rest of shoulder and Kawhi's got those lingering injuries that need to be addressed before the playoffs begin. If the Jazz are going to be the two seed, there there's two things that need to happen. They need to beat the Clippers again to win the season series because we're one and one with them. And then we need to win – I think we have three more games against Denver. We need to win all three of those games to get the tiebreaker. I think it's just two games. Is it just two? Yeah. I thought we played them We've lost twice to them. Okay, then we need to tie them. So we need to win the last two against Denver to to tie with them and get the tiebreaker if it comes down to the last game of the regular season, which I'm pretty sure is against Denver, and it's on national television. So – utah looking forward those things absolutely need to happen if we're going to two seed and i think if the jazz have any chance of a deep finals or like potentially a finals run we need to get the two seed it is mission critical that, that happens
0: definitely um now as far as the team itself what do you guys see as changes that need to be made or changes that don't need to be made things that need to be kept moving forward
1: Um, For me, kind of going off of what I said last episode, I believe Jordan Clarkson and Royce and they'll need more minutes. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is playing like he's the sixth man of the year. The dude is an automatic bucket coming onto the court, and a Jazz lack a lot of just point scoring ability. So when you bring a guy like him onto the court, he becomes a a threat immediately, and he can open the floor up for other players to, to get advantages. And Royce is our best perimeter player uh against teams for example like the Rockets. He is our guy that matches up against the dudes like James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So for me Royce though isn't starting, he needs more minutes.
2: I think the Utah Jazz, I mean you look at the best teams in the NBA, a lot of times the team will take on the personality of their best player, like the Nuggets in the off season, they'll all eat pizza and drink lots of soda and visit Eastern Europe during the off season. So they kind of take on the personality of Nikola Jokic. But for the Jazz, you see Donovan Mitchell. He's their best player, and he's a really, really nice guy. He's a really good guy. And I don't, want, I don't want to talk against that, but what I want to say is that a lot of times the Jazz, like Royce O'Neal or Joe Ingles, the only person that like – they'll pass up good shots to make an extra pass and end up with a contested late-in-the-shot clock shot. So what I want to see from the rest of the supporting cast of the Utah Jazz is the cojones that Jordan Clarkson has. Because he's willing to pull up. He's not afraid to take the biggest shot of the game if Donovan's trapped. But it seems like Royce or Joe sometimes, because they're such team players, they'll try to make something happen for someone else instead of taking the opportunities that they have for themselves. And it, it kind of is funny because that's actually the best team play to do. If you have an open shot and you're a good shooter and the other guy's getting hit with a 2 by 4 then you, then you take the shot. So that's what I want to see from the Jazz going forward is that change in mentality from making the extra pass unless – it's the absolutely best decision, and taking the open shot.
0: I think you're right. Um, I've said it before on the podcast, and even while we're just watching games, the Jazz have a tendency to work harder for the worst shot. That's,
1: that's, that's really well put. Yeah,
0: exactly what Easy just said. I just put a fun slogan on it: uh, "Work harder for the worst shot, Utah Jazz." But yes, I think another thing that we really need to work on, and it is something we talked about in a detail in our last episode, which is we need to find more chemistry. When Mike Conley is on the floor, Mike Conley throws off the offensive and defensive rhythm and we need to get that addressed and worked on.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. Obviously with his return, he brings back a lot of experience, but the jazz have just not played to that same chemistry that they had on that. Out of that 21 game span where they won 19 games. That was a very, very crazy run for the jazz. And we've lost that spark. I feel like, and I don't know if that's all to put on Mike, but also Mike returning to the Jazz has put a lot of uneasiness on the court, and you can see it when they play. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that, that pressure's been mounting. I mean, we had the playful moment at the beginning of the season when Mike Conley raised up his hands to get the crowd pumped up after he missed those two free throws. But we, we really need to get that synchronization, like you guys are both saying, back on the court with Mike on the court. We're paying him. Like, he's one of our best three players and we need to play like it when he's on the court. So with him, I think we are starting to find a little bit of a rhythm offensively. There's some traction there, but we need to figure out what we're going to do when teams try to attack Mike on the switch, on the perimeter, because, I mean, that's how the Jazz lost a lot in that five-game win streak like I already talked about. So we need to address what we're going to do as a team when the opposing team, the enemy, is trying to switch on to us on the
0: perimeter on the Mike. All right. All right. Well, uh, one more thing I want to say before we end this, because we kind of got a little bit pessimistic towards the Jazz there at the end. I think it's important that we all remember just how good our problems actually are here. (laughs) Yeah. We're not Minnesota. We're not Sacramento. We're not Phoenix. We're in the playoffs. We're consistently going to be in the playoffs. These are good problems to have.
1: And I can genuinely say there's not a guy on the Jazz team that I dislike right now. I really do enjoy this team. Uh, Rudy Gobert has had... A fun fun season he showed up in the all-star game as well donovan mitchell has been a great star for us boyan's been you know one of those other guys who's been one of the most improved players of the year bringing in jordan clarkson's been fun we have a lot of good problems and i'm glad that we're not sitting in the same boat as like minnesota where now we got uh we got a new guy but let's see if it works you know good luck D'Lo. <laughs>
2: Yeah, good luck, D'Lo. I think the Utah Jazz have had the best free agent signing of the year, besides Kawhi Leonard, and the best trade of the year. Because Jordan Clarkson's had more impact on the Utah Jazz than I think almost any other trade in the NBA this year. And then when you talk about the best free agent signing outside of Kawhi, man.
0: It's got to be Boyan. Boyan it's got to be
2: Boyan. He's up our good ceiling. Him. Yeah, he's a good Boyan. A little good Boyan. Very good, Boyan. He's upped our ceiling to championship level aspirations.
0: Boyan loves to play for the Utah Jazz. Love playing for the Utah Jazz. I love playing. They love taking three pointers. It's fun. I love Donovan. He's a small, little guy. He's fun. I love him.
2: Yeah, Utah Jazz are one of the most likable teams in the NBA, and it's thanks to characters like Boyan and Donovan Mitchell. You know, giving the the energy drink or the water baths after the game when someone's had a great game. I, I freaking love this
0: team. All right. Well, any closing uh, comments for you, Jeff? Let's close it
1: out, guys. Go Jazz. Peace.
2: Hello, squad. This is Easy e coming at you to say that if you've ever had a desire to kick ass, then head on over to Draper Kenpo. Black belt master Gator Conley will teach you how to chomp on the competition. At Draper Kenpo, a student learns self-respect, discipline, agility, and most importantly, how to kick that ass. Call or text for information at 801-810-5772. That number again is 801-810-5772. Now, karate chop your way to Draper Kenpo at 720 East and 10,600 South in Sandy. hi Squad out.